Thanks, Darren. We continue to study this letter that Paul has written to the church at Corinth. Paul's letter was in response to communications that were sent to him from those within the church. There were issues in the church, some theological issues surrounding their understanding of the resurrection of Jesus. These folks had some questions of faith. They were asking for clarification, and Paul was quick to give it to them. Paul reminded them of the physical evidence of Jesus' resurrection. We talked about that a little bit last week. He reminded them that Jesus had been dead, but that he was alive as he had risen. And because of that fact, because Jesus had risen, we are offered salvation. Because Jesus is risen, we have hope. Because Jesus is risen, we have purpose. Because Jesus is risen, we have seen perfect love. We have been loved. Paul reminds the people of the basic tenets of our faith. He speaks very directly and very clearly, cutting through all of the noise. Paul calls the people out with his words, as he often does. He says, listen, you can't proclaim faith in Jesus if you don't proclaim the resurrection. Without the resurrection, your faith is futile. He calls them to declare once again what they believe. Because if they and we don't believe it, then it is as if we have never been saved at all. If Jesus isn't risen, then we are still dead in our sin, and that cannot and will not be because we believe. Paul is calling the people to declare their faith in Jesus Christ once again. We can say that we can't comprehend it fully. We don't have the capacity to comprehend it fully, but we can say that we believe it to be true, that we do not doubt the trueness of the resurrection. Because Jesus' story will become our story. Jesus is raised, so we will be raised. Jesus offers salvation, everlasting life, so that we may receive it. What we believe matters. What we say matters, because we matter. We matter to God. I read something in my preparation. It's from a book called God Came Near by Max Licato. It's God's story. It's our story. I've never heard it written like this before, and it impacted me deeply, so I wanted to share it with you. As, we, as you begin to hear, I want you to think of creation, of God gathering dirt and sculpting Adam, of God breathing the breath of life into his creation. Max writes, a sudden breeze, surprisingly warm, whistles through the leaves, scattering dust from the lifeless form. And with the breath comes the difference. Winging on the warm wind in his image, laughter is laid on his sculpted cheeks. A reservoir of tears is stored in his soul. A sprinkling of twinkle for the eyes Poetry for the spirit, logic, loyalty. Like leaves on an autumn breeze, they float and land and are absorbed. 
The creator's gifts become a part of the created. His majesty smiles at his own image. It is good, he says. The eyes open. Oneness. Creator and created walk along the riverbank. There is laughter, innocent joy, life unending. But then the tree, the struggle, the snake, the lie, the enticement. Hearts are torn, souls drawn to pleasure, to independence, to importance. Whose will be done? The choice is made. The death of innocence, entrance of death with the fall. Tear stains mingle with fruit stains. But then the quest, the pursuit to get them back. God says, Abraham, you will father a nation. And Abraham, tell my people that I love them. God says, Moses, you will deliver my people. But Moses, tell my people that I love them. God says, Joshua, you will lead the chosen ones. Joshua, tell my people that I love them. God says, David, you will reign over the people. David, tell my people that I love them. God watching, never turning, ever loving, ever yearning for the garden again. And then finally, there is a girl, a womb. The same divine artist again forms a body. This time he will take it as his own, fleshly divinity, skin layered on spirit, the omnipotent with hair and molars and kneecaps. Once again, he walks with humans, but this time the garden is now thorny. Thorns that cut, thorns that remain lodged, leaving bitter wounds. Disharmony, sickness, betrayal, fear. Once again, a tree. A tree to form a cross. Once again, the struggle, the enemy like the snake, the enticement, hearts torn. Once again, the question, whose will? Then the choice, tear stains mingled with blood stains. But relationships are restored, bridges are built. Once again, he says, it is good. Scripture tells us, for since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, even so in Christ all will be made alive. This is our story. God lovingly crafted us, each one of us. And on those first days, God looked unto the face that bore God's own resemblance, Adam and then Eve's, and he said, oh, it is very good. God looked around at all that God had created for mankind and he couldn't wait to share it with them, to walk with them in the perfection that is creation. But God wanted us to choose to love him, to choose to follow him. God did not create mindless minions who would follow him out of obligation. No, God created us in God's own image with logic and reason and feelings and preferences and free will. And God breathed life into mankind and they walked together living in perfect relationship until they didn't. Until free will was misused and selfishness won. 
But that's not the whole of our story. It's not the end of our story. It could have been. But God has loved us so much that we have been pursued since the very moment that Adam and Eve broke God's own heart. Because we matter. Because we are good. God says so. Because God's love never ends. And this is the bedrock of our faith. In his quest for restoration of our relationships with him, God finally saw the only way to bridge the gap was for God to walk with us again. This time, though, not in the garden of perfection. No, just the opposite. This time, God would enter into the fallen world to walk with humanity This time, Jesus would come, put on humanity, live life, have joy, have pain, have suffering and sorrow. God chose to come again because we matter. Jesus chose to minister to humanity in person because we matter. Jesus chose to die because we matter. And our faith stands on this unfathomable sacrifice. Our lives stand on this sacrifice and our lives should reflect this sacrifice. Without it, there is nothing. Without Jesus' sacrifice, there is no bridge to humanity built. There is no relationship restored. There is no salvation to be had, no everlasting life. Preach it, buddy. We are called to faith with confidence. We are called to faith with confidence. We are called to confidence in the love that called God back to humanity to walk with us and do life with us. And Paul seems to be scolding the church in his letters, at least the ones that have made it into our Holy Scripture. And I often wish that I could see the letter that was sent to Paul to prompt this response. I'd love to know what their questions were, what scenarios were laid out for him to address. Paul's scolding, though, had a greater purpose. He needed to recenter the church on their foundational beliefs. He needed us to have enough confidence that we could go and tell this crazy story of God became becoming man, of God putting on humanity and suffering and dying for us and being raised again. It's nuts. The story is crazy, but it's our story. It's God's story, and we need to have the confidence to proclaim that we know this story. Even more than reminding them to be confident, Paul's goal was to equip the church to live as reconciled communities of faith. He wanted them reconciled to one another. He wanted them to acknowledge their faith and their place as God's beloved. Paul needed them to do that because there was so much work to be done. There were so many who had never heard the story of God's crazy love for humanity. There were so many who had not heard of the great sacrifice of Jesus Christ, of the story of his resurrection, that he lives again. Paul needed Christians who were so confident in their faith that they could bear witness to the Christ who opened the door 
that they may live a new life. As I thought of the ancient people who needed to hear that they mattered, who needed to hear the story of God's redemption, I thought of how many people today who have never heard the story. We are in a strange time in our history. We have growing generations that have never heard the gospel. We have children who don't understand why we celebrate Christmas. For most of us, that seems unbelievable. Our parents, our grandparents, we've heard the story because it was a story that was told. But now we have generations, hear me, generations of folks who have never heard that they matter to God. It's not that they're rejecting him, they don't know. They have never heard that Jesus loved them to death and to life again. So as Paul pleaded with the people of Corinth to be confident in their faith, confident enough that they can share the almost unbelievable story of Jesus with others, I am pleading with you. Pleading is a strong word, but it's the right word. I am pleading with you. Tell someone that they matter. That they matter to you and that they matter to us in the church. Tell someone that they matter to God. Invite them to church. Go and pick them up. Take them to breakfast afterwards. We have to reach out in ways that are tangible. We have to step out of our comfort zones. I'm not asking all of you to turn into street evangelists. We talked in our Tuesday night study group, I am not a street evangelist. That is not my spiritual gift. Richard says my spiritual gift is talking. <laughs> Who let her back in? Who said amen? Jump. I'm gonna separate you two. But I am, though not a street evangelist, I am a friend. I love people. I am relational. I see people and I can say, hey, it really looks like you're struggling. I think you could really benefit from coming with me to my church. And then I reassure them because immediately their defenses go up. Because what if you had a Jewish friend that said to you, and I've used this example before, so excuse me if you've heard it, but I think it bears repeating. What if you had a Jewish friend that said, hey, you should come to me Come with me to my synagogue. You would love it. The people there are so friendly. Our rabbi is the best. You should come. And then they walk away and you think, I'm not going there. I don't even know what they do there. I don't know what to wear there. I don't know where to sit there. I don't know how to get in the building. I'm not even Jewish. Why would I go there? You would not go. That's how people feel about church right now. It's not that they're rejecting us. They don't know what we do here. They don't know what to wear. They don't know where to sit. They definitely don't know how to get in this building. They don't know what we do. But if, I, if you say to someone, look, I, I can see you're struggling. Please know that I'm praying for you. Can I pray for you right now? Can I pray with you? 
And then you say, look, we're not supposed to do life alone. God intended us for, for us to have strong support systems. And one of my strongest support systems is my church. It's my, they're my family. And we're a hot mess sometimes. But we love one another. And we would do anything for one another. And I really think you would like it if you came. I'll come and pick you up. And I'll bring you and I'll show you where to sit. You don't have to dress up. We're real casual. And my pastor, get out. She is the best. And then we can go grab breakfast. Look, life is too hard to do by yourselves. And I know people have lots of worries and ideas of what it means to go to church, but church is really a hospital for all of us. And it's a place to learn about God and how much God loves us, and it's a place that welcomes all people, and we really just do life together. You should come with me. I am pleading with you. Pleading with you. People don't think they matter. We see it played out everywhere. We see people who can't proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ because they don't know it. And if they know it, they don't know it's for them. They don't know that they're covered in God's grace. They don't know that they matter. They don't know that God looks at them and says, oh, so good. They don't know that they bear the spirit of God. They don't know that they were made in the image of God. We need a revival. God is calling us to walk with him once again as we walk alongside each other in this thorny, thorny world. Amen? Amen.